Glad you're here, excited about what God's going to be doing. Got great friends in the house tonight. Joy Dodd's with us. Joy, stand up. Give her a hand. She's on a mission field. Missionary Joy Dodd, you want to sow seed in good ground? Talk to Joy right after service and give her all your money. Amen. God will bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord and send her your money. Okay. How many of you guys believe in prayer? Hold your hand up if you believe in prayer. Okay, now... Look at your neighbor and say, I'm praying for you. Amen. You believe prayer changes things? How many of you believe our cities need God? Amen. Then you guys that believe in prayer and believe prayer changes things and believe our city needs change, needs prayer. Monday night, you probably have seen the announcement, but Monday night at 7 o'clock, I believe it's at Bethel, uh, citywide prayer service, let's go out in force and bring the presence of God. Amen. Amen. You got your Bible with you? If you're here tonight and you don't own a Bible, if you'll hold your hand up, the ushers will bring you a Bible. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody has a copy of the Word of God. Get in the book, study the book, learn the book, read the book. Look at your name and say, get in the book. This has the power to save your soul. Receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, which has the power to save your soul. Your soul is the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. This has the power to change you. You might be trying to change something in a different arena of your life, maybe a habit or a, or a mindset, and you're trying to change it. Without the Word of God, you don't have a hope. But with the Word of God, that thing's got to change and line up. On, come on, guys. You know, don't, don't think that, well, all I got to do is listen to a preacher once or twice a week, and I'm going to have it made. No, you got to get in the Word of God. And some of us, can I just be bold tonight, Saturday night, you guys look like you're tough. I, you can handle it. Can you handle it? Some of us are under the impression that we're exactly the way we should be. You're not. Okay. So tired of your family members emailing the church. Just... You got messed up mentalities, minds that are totally uh, in opposition to the word of God. How to get that way? By hearing every other voice except God's voice. Get in the book. It'll help line up your life. Guys, man, if you don't hear anything else tonight, one, we're going to slap you, but two, hear this. You need the word of God. Amen. You need the word. Of, you need to be addicted to God's word. Man, it'll, it'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you feel. It'll change the way you make your choices. And that's what we need. Amen. We need to get in agreement with God's word. Micah 6, 8 says, he has shown you, old man, what is good to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. God's given you an incredible invitation. Come walk with God. How many of you have found yourself on the journey of life and you knew God wasn't exactly where you were? Hello? Come on. You don't have to think that far back. You knew he wasn't right there, and you knew that you, that was a good indication to get realigned with God. Amos 3, 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? God's invited you to walk, but you got to get in agreement with God. How do you get in agreement with God? Well, I've really listened to what people say. That's going to mess you up. you got to really listen to what God says. Amen? Listen to what people who know God say. Get people in your life that can hold you accountable and ask you, what did you read this week? Got really quiet right there. 
Get people in your life who can ask you, what are you reading this week? Come on, guys. You either got to grow or go, right? Here's the deal at the garden. If you're not going to grow, make room for somebody who wants to, okay? Let's be growers. Let's go after the things of God. You got your Bible with you tonight? Let's stand together. Hold that Bible up in there, and we're going to make a confession together. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise tonight. He's worthy. Amen. You guys doing good? Have a good week. Amen. You might as well. It's your choice. Amen. Things going good in your life? Well, good. That's because you've chosen to allow things to go good. Let's, let's live like victorious believers. Amen. Isn't it kind of fun demonstrating Satan's defeat and, and kicking devil booty on a daily basis? Amen. You need to live your life with a passion just to humiliate hell. Everything the enemy's told you you couldn't have, go get it. When the, when the enemy's talking against you, just, hey, you're right. You don't have to argue. When the devil tells you you're not good enough, you can say you're right. But when God came in my life, but when God came in my life, enemy tells you, look at all the sin that, that you've committed. And you can say you're right. But when God forgave me, everything's new now. Amen. If any man be in Christ, behold, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become fresh and new. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, fresh and new. You got a new life when you came to Jesus. That eternal life, the God life. So many people are expecting eternal life to begin when they die. A little late. You need eternal life now. The future is now. Your eternal life starts now. Zoe is now, not for when you're dead. But I'm going to heaven. Great. See you when you get there. But in the meantime, could we walk in some victory? Could you have a little bit of joy? How, how about you? How about you drive depression all the way out of your house? Amen. And some of the tools that the enemy uses to captivate us and to hold us back, you know, we're, we're learning how to break those off of our life. We learned last week that no matter how hard you try, no matter how much effort, resource you put into it, you're not good enough. But God sent his son Jesus, who was perfect, and faith in him makes you right with God. Amen. And tonight we're going to take one more step in the journey and we're going to talk about you can't please everyone. Amen. You can't please every. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't please everyone. You know that when you become obsessed with what others think, that is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks. When you become obsessed with what others think, very quickly, you can forget about what God thinks. We all know it intellectually, but only a few people apply this truth practically in their lives. You can't please everyone. I got to tell you, each and every one of us, I believe, struggle just like the rest of mankind with, with, with the mind storms that come in our attempt to make everybody happy. 
we, we want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. So we do whatever we can to, to win that in the lives of other people. Tonight, realize that God's not only talking to you about you, but maybe you can have a little insight on the people in your world that the enemy is messing with their head as they're trying to be accepted and loved and appreciated and, and to, to, in their attempt to please you. Here's the deal is if they try hard enough to please you, they'll be so busy pleasing you, they don't have time to live a life that's pleasing to God. There might be an occasion that you're not real thrilled with what someone else has done, but if they're not living for you, it really shouldn't bother you. Well, shout me down and wave some white hankies. I guess I'll get back in my notes. Let's talk about, yeah, thank you. There we go. Glory to God. Anointings in the house. All right. You know, pre-service. I, I don't know about the other guys, but I'll, I'll just share with you some of the thoughts that if I'm not careful will captivate my mind. Is everyone going to like the service? Are they going to enjoy the music? Are they going to think it's too cold? Because I'm not heating it up. Are the people going to be open? Are they going to be responsive? Are they going to bring their hanky to wave? Are they going to sit like a bump on a log? What are the people going to do? Real or imagined, the thoughts come. In all honesty, if I do a great job, you'll be back. If I do a poor job, you won't. And because of that, there is an unhealthy temptation to be driven to go after what you think more than and rather than living my life after what God thinks. Every single one of us have a spiritual enemy that'll do anything he can to beat us down with these thoughts and use them to lead us towards death. Eventually, great harm can come to your life. It'll mess you up when you live for the fulfillment of pleasing someone else's expectations. Many people, what they do is they realize I can't please everyone, so I'll whittle it down to a more workable size of a group. I'll just try to please my family, or I'll attempt to please my employer, or I'll just live to please my employees. I'll do whatever I've got to do to keep these people happy. I'll devote my life to keeping them with a smile on their face. You were not designed to please people. Oh, hear me tonight. You aren't designed by God to please other people. Isn't it interesting that the enemy can keep you so busy attempting to please other people, they're never happy enough and you're never fulfilled. Why? Because that's not your job. Say this with me. I can't please everyone. Oh, come on, say it. I can't please everyone. But I can please God. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. What we're really talking about is not living for the approval of others, but living a life that's pleasing to God, living a life for an audience of one, not attempting to make sure everyone in our world is happy. Happiness is based on happenings. God don't even care if you're happy. Well, God wants me happy. He knows that's almost impossible. <laughs> happiness is based on happenings. So whatever happens determines your level of happiness. God doesn't care if you're happily married. Are you happily married? I don't know. What day is it? 
Am I joyfully married? Absolutely. Joy is a fruit that grows inside of me, and I can produce that fruit regardless of what's going on around me. But happiness is based on what's going on around me. I got three teenagers in the house. Happy doesn't visit every day. But joy is there in the morning. Just quoting songs. It's going to work. Paul was dealing with a b- bunch of believers in the book of Galatians. In Galatia, they, they were, they, there was an upheaval. Some of them were under the impression that you had to be circumcised. Some thought that it wasn't necessary. Some demanded that you follow the whole law. Others were contending that none of the above was true. Paul came to bring the truth, and his message was very bold. His message was very controversial. People were getting mad at Paul overnight. His own approval rating went down the toilet, so he changed his message not. He told them the truth. Galatians 1.10, look at this scripture with me. Galatians 1.10, I am now trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? Look at this statement. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Guys, I got to tell you something. That's a crazy good verse. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Are you living for God or are you living for somebody else? If I was trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Becoming obsessed with what other people think is the fastest way to forget about what God thinks. Say it with me. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. Say it again. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. He's the one that matters. He's the one, he's the one that matters. It matters if we're pleasing God. So tonight I got to ask you, are you a people pleaser? Oh, I'm not a people pleaser. I don't care what people think. You say that to yourself because you're afraid if someone heard you, it might upset them. There's four characteristics about a people pleaser that I want to share with you tonight. And if you're taking notes, please write these down. Um, Four characteristics of a people pleaser. Number one, people pleasers tend to take criticism personally. Someone criticizes you, you're hurt. You hear words like, I'm a failure. I can never do anything right. I can't win. The whole world is against me. Did they like my last blog? Did they, in, did they go to the website? Do they, are they appreciating what we're doing? Do you take criticism personally. You got to ask yourself, how do I handle it when someone tells me something I don't want to hear? When they share their opinion, does it hurt me or does it help me? You know, your opinion. And and honestly, like I said, I think all of us, when we get real true with ourselves, all of us need to wrestle with these uh, characteristics and make sure that none of this makes the decisions in our life. You can't please everyone. You can only please God. When you hear criticism, if you're hurt, if you take it personal, it's because you're trying to please people. If I'm doing what God's told me to do and it makes you mad, then you're going to have to talk to God. Hello? When you share your opinion, I can't get upset because I've got to realize that I still got to go hear from God. The second characteristic of a people pleaser is they feel an extraordinary fear of rejection. 
People pleasers. Can we just say PP? No. Shelby said no. Uh, feel an extraordinary fear of rejection. Please like me. Please. I'll do anything, and I mean anything, to get you to like me. I, please don't reject me. Isn't it funny how the, many people will do things that they don't even want to do? They would never, ever do, except somebody wanted them to do it. It's an attempt to please people. The third characteristic of a people pleaser is they find it difficult to express their own feelings. I'd tell you what I feel, but you probably wouldn't like it. So I'll just sit here and be quiet. You think you're being polite. They've asked you and asked you, no, I'm going to be good and not tell you. Why? Because I don't want to upset you. Well, then you're just simply attempting to please that person. You'll say, oh, yeah, it's fine with me. On the outside, you're, you know, you're agreeable. And on the inside, you are resentful. And that grows until you've had enough. And then you do some ungodly thing. And we have to have a whole service devoted to that. <laughs> the fourth characteristic of a people pleaser is they have a hard time saying no. Can you be here? Yes. Can you be there? Oh, yeah. I'm coming. Will you help me move on Saturday at 2? No. <laughs> well, come on. You don't have a life. You only work six hours a week, Tom. <laughs> Can't you just swing by at any time? No. Why not? Well, because I have a life. It's, the, it's a disease. It's the disease to please. And it causes you to live your life in a way that's not pleasing to God. See, I think there's a couple of facts about people pleasers. We talked about characteristics. Let's talk about facts. Number one, people pleasing is not a relational issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's idolatry. People pleasing is idolatry. God said... You will have no other gods before me. Attempting to please everyone creates an attitude that says, I care more about what you think than I do about what God thinks. You've got a spiritual problem. You just think you're trying to keep everybody happy, but the enemy's just trying to keep you hopping. In the New Testament, there were leaders who wouldn't go public with their faith like many in the room here tonight. Just kidding. Out of a fear, out of a fear of what others would think. They, there was a fear of rejection. Oh, you're one of those. Look at this in John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. And yet, in spite of all this, many even of the leading men, the authorities and nobles, believed and trusted in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it for fear that if they should acknowledge him, they would be expelled from the synagogue. Verse 43, for they love the approval and praise and the glory that came from men instead of and more than the glory that comes from God. Look, they valued their credit with men more than their credit with God. They had a faith in God, but they wouldn't confess it. They wouldn't share it. They, they wouldn't openly live it. it. It messed them up. Hello? 
Remember when you were just a kid and someone came to you and they said, let's do this, and you said, no, we don't want to do that, that's wrong. They said, no, come on, let's do it. It'll be fun. Remember those statements? Remember when you did it? Some of you just got out of prison a couple weeks ago. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Didn't want to do it, but you just did it. Why? Because I didn't want to upset anybody. I didn't want to do it. How many times in your life have you found yourself doing the very thing you did not want to do, but you thought you were being a peacekeeper? No, it's wrong. I'm not going to do it. Hello? Are you afraid that the people on the job are going to look at you and treat you like a Jesus freak? Well, you are one. They're looking for somebody who will take a stand. They're looking for somebody who's got a backbone. You got to have a backbone to face the storm if you're going to get the gold that you were created to be carrying you got to go get it. you got to get your big boy pants on. you got to take the floaties off and head down to the deep end of the pool. you got to decide, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to live to please God. Trust me, when you're living to please God, there'll be a lot of happy people around you. They won't all be mad. Look at Proverbs 29, 25. Check this out. The fear of man, the fear of who? Look at that. Make sure you understand that. It's not the fear of God, but the, the fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoever puts their trust in the Lord, that guy's safe. The fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. Actually, the word snare is mokashi, and it means a noose or a brass ring through your nose. The fear of man is a brass ring installed in your nose. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, you got your nose pierced, did you? You're going through life, and somebody's got you. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> somebody's got you, and every time you, every time you want to go left, they just pull you right. When you're going to sit down, they pull you back up to your feet. When you want to stand up, trust me, they can get you down. Why? They've got you by the nose. There's all kinds of life situations and and you go through life every single day and redirected your path. You you may have heard from God, but you can't obey God because if you obeyed God, that's going to hurt. It is a snare, the fear of man. I don't want to make anybody mad. At some point, you're going to have to try to please God. There are traps that the enemy will set for you if you live under the fear of man. One of them is they all compromise for you trap. A boy and a girl out on a date. The girl doesn't want to do it. She wants to hold her purity or the boy. But because of the pressure, they find themselves doing something they shouldn't do. On the job, someone's telling stupid, nasty jokes, and you're just, <laughs> and trying to get out of the room instead of saying, excuse me, but don't talk that way around me. It goes deeper. The way you spend your money. It's very quiet the way you spend your money working hard doing everything you can to impress people that you don't like that someday you won't even remember who you are the way we live our life it it is a trap it's a 
pressure to live up to the expectations of others, cheating the numbers to make the deal. Whatever it takes, I'm going to compromise. Well, now you've got a brass ring through your nose. And you're living a life that God didn't call you to live. Another trap is the I'll overcommit for you trap. I'll take on way more than I should because I care more about what you think than I should. So I'll just do more than I should so that you'll think something you shouldn't. Hello? Just all, we're going to really talk about this in depth next week because this is kind of a big one. But in our current society, how many realize that normal has become insane? We've become so overcommitted, overstretched, and under-resourced that we don't have any real time for God, let alone our family or friends. We're so busy trying to impress people trying to do what's right that'll keep everybody happy we are overcommitted beyond recognition well i have to say yes or they'll think lowly of me no they'll think they need to get someone else to help them because you don't have time you do realize that in Proverbs that it says that if you will hearken your heart to the law to God's commandments that he'll add length of days, long life, and peace to you. Length of days, study it out, what, are liter- what that literally means is more time in your day. You want to have some great fun? The next time somebody asks you, what are you doing? Answer with this response, trying to figure out what to do with all of this time. It'll blow your mind, the responses you get. Trust me, I've experimented this week. What do you mean with this time? You have too much time? What are you, on crack? You know, what's going on? You got speed? Well, here's the deal. Sorry, I didn't mean to quote you. Um, But (laughs) just just kidding. Here's the deal. God knows how much time you have. You have the same amount of time as everyone else. Everybody has the same amount of time, yet everybody's under the impression they need more. Well, you don't need more time. You need more wisdom. You're spending so much of your time doing other things that you don't have time to do what God said. You could go ask God. You know, we know that when we do what he said, he'll produce what he promised every single time. But we can't do what he said because we don't have time to find out what he said. We're so busy. We're overcommitted. Look at your neighbor and say, keep it simple. Another trap, this is a very dangerous one, is that I will let you limit my success. I will allow you to limit my success. It's a trap. You've got a vision. You want to increase your business. You want to develop a ministry. You want to, uh, you, you know, you, you want to share Jesus more often, but you allow the thoughts of others to stop you. You got to understand that the more you do for God, the higher God causes you to rise and the more people don't like you. People around you are not all that, always that excited about your great success. Too often, good people stop doing the right things to accommodate the opinion of the wrong folks. I'll allow you to put a limitation on my success. If the opinion of other people drives you, then you've got a ceiling on your success. You do realize that the more you succeed, the more rocks are thrown at you the more you'll be criticized for everything you do it's just part of the territory 
you got to learn to love the approval of God more than you love the approval of man. You can't let people control you. So the first fact is that people-pleasing is idolatry. Surrendering and sacrificing our values and the values of God, the call of God on our life for the opinion and approval of others is wrong. So that it's wrong. We got to learn to live for God. Listen, I want to serve you and I want you to like me. I don't enjoy hate email. I don't like people getting up and walking out in the sermon. I, I don't enjoy it when people complain about stuff that they think that we've set up just to irritate them. That's not fun. But the reality of the matter is I can't allow your opinion to make my decisions because I've got to live for God. See, if the opinions of others dictates your decision, you've got to realize that God is very small in your world and people have become very big. People are big, God is small. So you got small God result, great big people result. That won't cut it to fulfill the call and destiny on your life. Hell's hunting you because God has put a vision inside of you. He has a plan, a hope of a future, and all of hell is doing everything it can to stop you from fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. If the enemy, if all he has to do to keep you from reaching destiny is convince you that your destiny will upset your grandmother, then you're done. You're toast. You can't please everyone, but you can please God. Look at Psalms 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Read it again. Fear the Lord, you his saint. Are you his saint? For those who fear him lack nothing. What are you going to lose if you live a life that's pleasing to God? Nothing. You're not going to be the loser in this deal. But if the enemy can keep you living for the opinion of others, he can keep you distracted and off the plan of God, and you won't have the collision with the provision of God. You can fill your house with all kinds of things that you don't even care about. And it looks great. You've got the, you know, the big house, the new cars, you got all the toys, you got everything going. But in reality, those aren't the things that you're really even passionate about. You're just trying to look good in comparison to your neighbor. Had you listened to God in the first place, wouldn't it be interesting if we really were trained to live our life that was pleasing to God from childhood, how much of our lifestyle would be absolutely radically different than it is today? Would you have a totally different career? Would you, would you be living in a different financial bracket? Maybe it would be lower. Maybe it would actually be higher but you'd be in total fulfillment at peace and pleasing God. We're under the impression that to succeed, that we've got to 
throw all of our time into things that don't really matter to us so that we can accumulate stuff that we don't really care about so that we can impress people. We can't even tell you their name. And we are very, very busy and then wonder why God doesn't seem to be pleased with our lifestyle. Well, because we're not living to please him. We're living to please others. Fact number two is that the greatest way to counterdict the disease to please is to develop the fear of God, to live for God. We want to live for God. So your opinions can't slow us down. If you want me to do something I know is not from God, God's so big, so close, so real, I'm going to have to pass. Why? Because I know what God wants. I didn't have to find time to talk to God. It was part of the plan for my time. Anything that tries to take that time from me has to get set on the back burner. Why is it that we have everything out in front of us, robbing us of our time, and then saying we're living for God? No, you got to find time to turn it around. God's got to be number one. The only way to stop conforming to this world And you realize that if we're living for the opinion of others, that we've been conformed to the patterns of this world. The only way to stop conforming, to renew your mind, is to stop caring so deeply about the opinions of others. You do realize that when you're doing what pleases God, the people in your life will be blessed. They won't be hurt. You won't be lacking relationship with your mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And No, you'll have great relationship because that's part of God's plan. So how do I get what God's planned? I do what God said. It only makes sense if we know that when we do what he said, he produces what he promised. It only makes sense then that we do what he said instead of say we didn't have time because we were too busy doing what they said. If you're so busy doing what they said that you don't have time to do what he said, you're too busy. Time to rearrange your life. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) I need to tell you, if you can just be who God's called you to be, you don't have to dress like Madonna. You don't have to talk like a Hollywood star. You, You don't have to live like a drug dealer. You don't have to do life that way. If you do, then you're not following God. You're not following Christ. You're following the world. Our society is so consumed with self and consumerism, it's sick and unhealthy. And when you can't tell the difference between somebody who has God and somebody who doesn't have God, then we ought to find out why that is. Well, wait a minute. I thought you said that all I had to have was faith in Jesus and I'd be right with God. Right. Okay, you're right with God. But now you can't just live any way you want to and be pleasing to him. You mean I got to live like a Christian? Yep. You're going to have to trust God. The rules and regulations, that's not the issue. The issue is, can you hear God? Have you spent time in his presence training your ear to hear his voice? Can God direct your steps? 
Have you seen the little clip from the Ellen show? And she's talking to a lady, I think her name's Helen, 83 years old. Helen's talking away, and she goes, I just got to tell you. She's just talking and describing and answering questions, and then she stops midstream and says, just got to tell you, I, I love Jesus, but I do drink a little bit. <laughs> then on with the show. You, you know, I got to tell you something. You love Jesus? You know, eh, eh, well, eh, what are we supposed to do? What, what are we supposed to stop doing? What are the hoops that we're supposed to jump through? Why don't you talk to God? You actually, you really don't need somebody else to come tell you what's right and what's wrong. You, you actually need somebody to just direct you back to the word of God. What does God say is right? What does God say is wrong? Why don't you stop doing the things the Bible says don't do? Have you ever noticed the air conditioning fan being that loud? Why don't we just do what God says? Why don't we just open up the book and, and apply it to our life and, and let it change us from the inside out and not live under the disease to please? I think if we're there, we've got to be set free. I think we've got to go to God and ask him to do something in us, something deep. Our ambition, our goal is not to hurt people or disappoint people or put people off. But the fact of the matter is, is that our goal is to serve God. If we're so busy trying to please others that we can't take time to please God, then our life's upside down. I've been praying for you all week. Because I know what's going to happen is that some of you are thinking, well, I'm just going to quit my job and take time to talk to God. And then you're going to come to my house and say, it didn't work and we need some money. And I'm going to say, I don't know who you are. Depart from me. I never knew thee. Do everything we can to, to relieve ourselves from responsibility. I need to, I need to, to just tell you, I, I'm challenging you to make time to develop your communication with God. Maybe some of the trauma in your life wouldn't be there had you just done what God asked you to do and none of the other stuff. Well, don't we have to do that stuff? No. If, if you fear God, you'll do what he said. And if you do what he said, the Bible says that you'll lack nothing. He, he's not going to have you walk off the job. He's probably going to have you increase your level of integrity on the job. He's not going to have you leave your wife and your children and let them fend for themselves while you go get alone time. He, but he's probably going to give you the insight that you need to develop a great, healthy relationship. There might be some things in your life that he says, you know what? That might be in your future, but don't reach into your future and pull it into your present. Because if you do, you're just going to mess up like you've always done in your past. He might, he might ask you to take a different step or maybe to stand still, maybe to sit down. Maybe, maybe you should just be quiet. I don't know what God's going to ask you. I, I'm, I struggle hearing what God's talking to me about. And you want to know why? Because it's very easy to live under the temptation to attempt to please other people. 
want thousands of people to receive Jesus. That's my desire, my goal, my ambition is to watch believers rise up to a level of victory. And you know what? I can't get you to walk in victory if you won't hang around with me because you don't like what I just said. So the temptation is very strong. Don't tell them that. But I heard from God, and you're big enough to handle it. You're strong enough, smart enough, and, and, and passionate enough to go into the presence of God and say, okay, God, change my life. I'm living under the disease to please, and I need to be set free. I want God to be ruling and reigning in my world. I'm tired of living for the opinion of other people. You don't have what it takes. You're, you're, no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try, you'll never be good enough. But when you put your faith in Jesus, all of a sudden, God comes into your life. You don't have what it takes to please everyone. You weren't designed to please others. You were designed to please God. And when you're living a life that's pleasing to God, it'll blow your mind, the relationships that God will bring all around the world. If he has to, he'll pluck them up and move them next to you so that you're not ever standing alone. He'll cover you going and coming. He's out in front, he's behind you, and he's right where you're at working on your behalf. You don't have what it takes. You can't please everybody anyways. Everybody you think's happy with you right now are upset because you're not good enough to keep them happy. But you were designed to please God. You, you have been given everything you need. Doesn't the Bible tell you in the King James Version that he hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness? And if there's something you ain't got, then you probably don't need to do what that would require. Let me say that one more time. If there's something you don't possess, then you must not have been called at this point in time to do what that requires. So relax. You know, knowing I'm not good enough takes the pressure off. And knowing I can't please everybody frees me up just to live to please God. And I got to tell you something, when all you do is what you need to do to please God, you got a lot of free time on your hands. Not too busy running around trying to do what other people want. Why? Because I'm not called to do it. Hello? You ready to be set free? Will you close your Bibles? Bow your heads? Got to be very careful here. Are you here tonight separated from God? You don't have relevant relationships.